Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Christmas. Good to see you all. If you're here for the first time tonight, I'm Jim. I'm your pastor. I love celebrating with you, uh, especially on big days like this one. You know, two things they taught me when I was in seminary. Number one, always preach the gospel faithfully. And number two, never follow cute children on the stage. No one's going to listen to you after that. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who have uh, who have just joined us tonight or who haven't seen in a while, there, there have been great things going on in the life of Real Life Church this year. Uh, and I'm, I'm so thankful I shared this this morning, and if you're back again, you're going to hear it again, because I'm so thankful for all the things this church has done this year. Uh, just, just recently, just in recent months, this church helped uh, rebuild a house of a veteran that had caught fire, and for about three years now, he'd been living in a truck, and this Christmas, he's back in his home again. So thank you for being a church that would do that. Yeah. Um, that, that, that is good for my heart. You guys put together more than 200 gift boxes that got sent to kids all over the world in developing nations who might not have otherwise gotten a Christmas gift. And uh, they're opening Christmas gifts this, this week, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, you guys um, uh, helped, uh, helped feed over 200 homeless uh, folks at a, at a shelter just this last month. Uh, and so thank you for that. And I shared this morning. This was great. Uh, we went down to Mexico a couple times in the last couple months and have been working with a ministry down there that's building churches and houses. And we helped paint a church and finish a church and uh, served uh, lunch to all the kids in the neighborhood so the neighbors would know that the church cared about them. And uh, while I was there, uh, I saw that there was a fire hydrant across the street, even though the church had no running water. And, and I, I knew, you know, it was just a step away. And I asked Pastor Victor down there, I said, how come you guys don't have running water? And he said, it's because it's $500 to get water from there to here, and we don't have $500. And one of you volunteered to pay for that this year. So thank you for taking care of that family. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So those kinds of things uh, are good for my heart and, and good for the church and good for the world. I'm thankful for a church that knows how to give good gifts, which brings me to the, uh, the subject of Christmas. Uh, it occurred to me this year, we have a weird behavior at Christmas. At Christmas, we do something really strange. It's Jesus' birthday, and everybody gets a present but him. Like, that's a weird birthday practice. Like, on your birthday, you give gifts to the person who was born. On Jesus' birthday, we give to absolutely everybody but him. Imagine how he feels. I remember when I was a kid, and, you know, my birthday would roll around, and we'd have a party, and, you know, family would, friends and family would come over, and they'd bring gifts. And I had a little sister, Susan, and sometimes they would bring a present for her too, you know, because if your big brother's having a party, you know, you don't want to feel left out. So they'd bring her a, a gift too. And I remember looking at that going, oh, it's, uh, whose birthday is it that you're bringing her a present? And I, you know, I had all these gifts and it was my birthday. But like, you're giving her, that's one less gift in the world now for me because you gave it to her on my birthday. Well, here's the deal. I think Jesus is just fine with us giving presents to other people on his birthday. Because Christmas is the act of God giving himself to us. 
on Christmas, God was the gift giver on his birthday. And I think he actually wants us to give good gifts to one another, to give good gifts to the world. I think that's how he made us. And I think he knows how it makes us feel. I think that's, I think that's in his heart because he, because he made us to enjoy it. Now, I realize the church has sort of a strange relationship with gifts and the commercialism of Christmas. It's, it's not unusual at this time of year to hear pastors stand up and sort of rail against commercialism and all the spending and the presents. It's Jesus' birthday, you shouldn't be going to the mall, right? And I, so pastors do that. I remember doing that in my first year of ministry. In my first year of ministry, I stood up and I preached one of those sermons, and I, I let them have it about commercialism and materialism. And uh, I remember being at the door. Uh, at the end of that Sunday morning and shaking hands with people. And this family came out, and the dad sort of shook my hand, and he goes, that was a good message. But he didn't look at me. He didn't make eye contact. And then the mom sort of shook my hand and said, that was a good message. And she didn't look at me. Kept going. And then the 13-year-old son behind them goes, I don't know why they're so sad. We just got a giant TV for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So I realized the church has sort of a a strange relationship with the commercialism of Christmas. But honestly, uh, honestly, on Jesus' birthday, I think he knows how you feel. I think he knows how a kid feels when they get a present. And I don't think Jesus is bothered by us giving each other gifts at Christmas because on Christmas, he gave himself to us. I think, I think the gift giving of Christmas is very much honoring to him because he wants us to learn to love the world around us and to give ourselves away in his name. There's actually a passage in the scriptures where Uh, Jesus uh, talks about gift giving, and it's not your standard Christmas story. It's not your standard Christmas text, but it's an important one and relevant here. Open with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read the text together. As we go to the text, let's take a moment and pray. Father, by the power of your Spirit, touch hearts in this room that are gathered, especially those who feel at a loss this year because the year has been hard. Because relationships have been broken and bodies have been sick. God, by the power of your spirit, touch those who are in need of you. And give them good gifts of reminders of how much you love them. How much you love all of us. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, this is Matthew chapter 7 at verse 7, and this is a teaching of Jesus to his disciples. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks find, finds, and the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. This is the teaching of Jesus. I know how you're made. I know what you enjoy. I shaped that heart within you. I shaped your soul. And I want to give you good gifts. Just ask. Just, just ask. Just ask me. I, I want to care for you. You in this broken world do terrible things to each other, and yet you can still give good gifts to your children. You're my children. I want to give good gifts to you. Now listen. Pay attention when God gives you gifts. Because when God gives you gifts, God is always telling you something about himself. 
The best kinds of gifts are not the most expensive ones. The best kinds of gifts are the most appropriate ones. They're not the ones that make you say, wow, you spent a lot of money on that. They're the ones that make you say, oh, you know me. You know who I am. Because the gift says that you know me. I remember when I was younger, we had a, a, a good habit in my family that every year we'd go through and we'd clear out, you know, toys and we'd take the gently used toys that were still good and we'd give them away because as you, you grow up, you outgrow some of the toys. This is a habit now I've started with my kids. We'd go through and we sort through the toys and say, what do we want to give away this year? You know, it's a good thing to do around Christmas. What should we pass on to somebody else? And so we did this every year growing up. And there was a one year where uh, I had a collection of uh, Star Wars action figures, and, uh, and I, I liked playing with them. They were not worth anything. The dogs had chewed on them, but I liked them. And, you know, as I grew older, we ended up giving those away. But I, I remember thinking, gosh, I kind of liked those. And so I went through a little period of time where I kind of teased my dad and said, you gave away my Star Wars action figures. Those would be worth a fortune. And uh, then I growed up and went to college. And uh, one day a package came in the mail from my dad, and I opened it up, and it was R2-D2. Still in the box. Then another box came, and it was Luke Skywalker, still in the box. And he reassembled the whole collection one at a time. What was great about that gift was not what it cost, although I have the feeling it was not cheap. What was great about that gift was it was a way of saying, I know you. I know what you like. I know what you want. The incarnation, God born in the flesh, is the way of God saying, I know you. I made you. I, I know what you're like. I became one of you. I walked among you on this earth. You know those pains you get in your shoulder and the pains you get in your knee? I know those. I felt those. I was there. You know that, that pain you get when your heart is broken? I know that one too. When you're betrayed by friends, I know that pain. I came to you. I know you. And I care deeply about you. The, the beauty of the gift of the incarnation is not just that it was the expense of a life, because what more could you give than to give your life? But it was so appropriate, because in the birth of Jesus, God said, I know exactly how it is. I know you. And so for we, when we gather on, on Christmas like this, for, for us, it's, it's up to us to then look at the story of Jesus, the story of God, and then ask, is this gift for me? Is this gift appropriate to me? Is it from someone who knows how I am? Is it from someone who knows what I'm like, who seems to know how my heart beats? Look at the story of Jesus and ask yourself, if it really is true, is this a story of a gift that comes from someone who knows me. The great uh, Christian writer C.S. Lewis put this better than I could. He says uh, in his book, Miracles, that we should look at the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, and ask whether or not it, it interprets the rest of our lives. He writes it this way. He says, if the incarnation happened, it is the central chapter of history. I think we are rather in this position. Supposing you had before you a manuscript of some great work, either a symphony or a novel. Then there comes to you a person saying, here's a new bit of the manuscript that I found. It is the central passage of that symphony. It is the central chapter of that novel. The text is incomplete without it. I have got the missing passage, which is really the center of the whole work. 
The only thing you could do would be to put this new piece of manuscript in that central position and then see how it reacted on the whole of the rest of the work. If it constantly brought out new meanings from the whole of the rest of the work, if it made you notice things in the rest of the work which you had not noticed before, then I think you would decide that it was authentic. This is the question for you and I as we look at the manger scene. Is this the gift that interprets the rest of life? Does it come from someone who knows us? Does it make sense of everything else? Here at Real Life this year, we've shared stories of, of how God has blessed people in this congregation and touched lives in this congregation. We, we did a, a series together where we talked about God's supernatural work in the world. And every week I heard, I heard stories of how God was speaking directly to people in this church family. And, and I mean, in ways that you could not write off as a coincidence. The stories, there was no way they were too remarkable to be written off. Uh, and, uh, and so I shared those week in and week out with you because those stories are good for our hearts. And I saw one just, just a week ago. I saw one again. There was a, a family in our, our church uh, uh, who's here. And uh, they were planning on sending their kids to our, our winter camp. You know, our, our, our youth and our teenagers go to winter camp uh, coming up here in January. And they were planning on sending their kids to winter camp. And they were saving money for that. And they uh, called uh, our children's ministry director, Stacy Travisano, uh, one evening, and they said, our, our house got broken into. Uh, everybody's okay. We weren't here. Everybody's okay. But uh, they, they took a lot of cash. And uh, as Stacy started talking to them, she found out the cash had been set aside to send their kids to winter camp. And they said, we don't want you to pay for our kids to go, though, because we know real life is talking about maybe moving to a new building in the future, and we want you guys to save money for the future church. And this, this sweet family was going to give up the chance for their, their little kids to go to camp for that. Now, what Stacy didn't know, because I hadn't shared it yet, was earlier that morning, before the house was robbed, earlier that morning, one of you, somebody in this congregation, called me and said, I feel like God is telling me that if there are a couple kids who need to go to winter camp, I'm supposed to pay for them to go. Same morning, before the robbery happened. The next morning, as Stacy and I were talking, we put two and two together and saw this, this amazing thing that happened, that God set this all up to be taken care of before it even happened. Now, I know there are skeptics out there who will say, why didn't he just stop the robbery? I mean, you know, come on. If God's so sharp, why didn't he just fix that? Well, wait, think about that for a minute. Think about that, what that would have done. Look, what, what happened now? Who, who lost in this situation? Well, not the robber, right? They got away with some cash. And, and if nothing else, they're a step closer to figuring out that money's not going to make them happy. Not the family, because they're covered. They're going to camp just like they had planned to. And now they know not only they're going to camp, they know, they know that God is watching out for them. Not the person who gave the gift. They were going to give it anyway. That's what they wanted to do. And now... It's an even better gift than the one they were planning on giving. Who lost out on the way God did that? Not us, because we now have another story of God's grace for us. Sure, God could have stopped the whole thing from happening, and then we wouldn't have a story to share. I have the feeling that God works supernaturally in ways that we can't always explain, in situations that don't always make sense to us, but ultimately because God wants to give us good gifts that show us 
who he is, that show us that he's there, and that show, shows us, show us that he absolutely, recklessly, unconditionally loves us. I think over and over and over again, God wants to give us good gifts, not so we can have stuff, but so that we'll know that he wants to take care of us. So the question for you and the question for me is then, does that sound like the kind of gift that comes from someone who knows us, who knows our life circumstances, who knows what we're going through, who knows our, our hurts and our brokenness? Is that the kind of gift giver that we want in our lives? At, at Christmas, God gave us the most appropriate thing he could, himself. At Christmas, in the incarnation, God gave us the best thing we could ask for. The sense for... The sense of fa- for the fact that we're not alone in this universe, that we were created with purpose and meaning and tension and in love, and that he walks beside us every single day in the ups and downs of life, and that we have hope and promise for the future. At Christmas, he gave us the most appropriate gift that we could ask for. In turn, we might want to think about giving him the most appropriate gift we could, our hearts. There's nothing better to give Jesus on his birthday than your heart. He doesn't need ribbons and bows, but he wants us. He wants your life. He made it. He designed it. He gave it to you, and he wants you to offer it back to him. To do that is a kind of a simple process. It just takes two things. One, you just say yes. You just say yes in your heart. Jesus, yes. I want you. I want you to have my life. I want to give it to you. I want you to lead the way. And if you've never made that decision before and you do it tonight, tonight's the the night that you become a a follower of Jesus. Mark the date, December 25th on his birthday. I gave him my life. And then just find find out more about him. Seek to know him more. Uh, Read the scriptures. If you haven't read the stories of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, make that your New Year's resolution this year. Read one of the gospels and learn the story of Jesus. It makes no sense to go to church and follow, uh, call yourself a follower of a guy whose story you've never read. So if you haven't read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, Read one of those this year and seek to maybe get more involved in the things that God is doing in the world. That's what we're doing here at Real Life. We're going to go down to to Mexico again and build more houses for people in need. Come do it with us. Come see what God wants to do in your life. In January, we're going to go through a series called Me and My Big Mouth, in which we talk about how to talk to each other well. If you don't need that, you can stay home. (laughs) But I think most of us do. Hey, if you hear your neighbors yelling at each other, you can go invite them to church. I just heard you guys yelling at each other. You know what you need? We're, we're doing that down in real life. I think, honestly, the, the process of growing in faith is a simple one. It's a matter of going where Jesus leads. At Christmas, he gives us the most appropriate gift we could ask for, the gift that says, I know you. And the most appropriate gift we could give him in return is our hearts. If you do that, you, you give him a gift that he's been waiting for. Uh, people have given Jesus some lousy gifts on his birthday before. I mean, think about, think about the wise men. The wise men go to the manger scene. What do the wise men bring? Frankincense. You know what frankincense is? It's an essential oil. That's what that is. No, it is. It relieves stress. That's what frankincense is for. Now, just figure this with me. What kind of stress does a baby have? Uh, I went in my diaper again. I mean, they bring him frankincense to put in his diffuser and light up the manger, right? The next thing they bring him is myrrh. You know what myrrh is? 
It's another essential oil. That's what that is. They bring in myrrh. And myrrh is especially good for toothaches. Newsflash, wise men, baby don't, babies don't have teeth. They're 0 for 2. And then what do they bring him? They bring him gold. Oh, that's a good idea for a baby. When my son was little, we would give him nice toys. He would play with the box. So 0 for 3 from the wise men. If you want to give Jesus a good gift on his birthday, give him your heart. That's all he wants. Uh, honestly, if you do that, you join a long series in history of wise women and men who have given him the same thing. If you look at the history of the Christian church, of people who have followed Jesus, the kinds of gifts that they give to him and to the world are, are beautiful things. Over and over again, people have, have done this. There was a, a, an Oxford professor whose name was, was Neil, uh, Stephen Neal. And Stephen Neal said that to say Jesus is to say history. He's had that kind of influence. H.G. Uh, Wells, the, the author who wrote uh, The Time Machine and The War of the Worlds, H.G. Wells said, I am not a believer, I'm a historian. But I have to tell you as a historian, this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably at the center of history. Even Napoleon, emperor of France, is credited with saying, uh, I've built an empire. Uh, uh, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have all built empires based on force. Jesus built an empire based on love, and to this day, millions of people would give their lives for him. If you choose to put your heart in God's hands, you join a long history of wise women and men who have done the same before us. And they then turn and give great gifts to the world around them. Most of the great universities that you've heard of, most of the great historic universities that you know, were built by people who believed that God was worth studying and the world that God made was worth studying. That's why the universities were formed. Most of the great hospitals in the history of the world were formed by people who believed that medicine would show the compassion of God to people in need. To, to this day, some of the best missions Christians are doing in the world are medical missions around the world. Some of the most devout, uh, intense uh, ministries fighting against human trafficking and fighting for the purification of water in this world are being done by Christians. When you put your heart in the hands of the God who loves you, you are set free to give Good gifts to the world. That's what Christmas is all about. At Christmas, he gave us the most appropriate thing he could. The thing that tells us, I know you. He gave us himself. In turn, he invites us to give him our hearts. It's the most appropriate gift we could give. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added on as well. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the giver of good gifts and that you bless us more than we could ask or imagine. I thank you that at Christmas we see again that you stepped down onto the earth, that you walked among us that we might know you and be known. May we in turn place our hearts in your hand. If there's anybody here who's never prayed it before and wants to pray it now, we pray, Jesus, we, we give ourselves to you. Come into our lives and be our Lord and our Savior and teach us to follow after you. Through your generosity, set our hearts free to give good gifts to those in need. As we do so, may we reflect 
the love of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.